the metaphor that I like to use is that, you know, you're showing up like Miley Cyrus, but all of your messaging is like Hannah Montana. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey Unicorns, a quick shout out to today's sponsor, OSI Affiliate Software. If you're running an online business or working on behalf of your clients to boost sales, you've got to check out this tool. ASI Affiliate is a powerful affiliate tool that makes managing an affiliate program super easy. I'm talking about tracking sales, handling commissions, and all of that in one user-friendly platform. And the best part, it integrates right into your website or your client's website, turning your customers and influencers into their very own brand ambassadors. So if you want to take your affiliate sales game to the next level, head over to getosi.com slash Emily to get an awesome 20% discount on any plan and start your free trial today. Trust me, with OSI software, your clients are going to experience bigger launches and more affiliate sales. Growth is possible. Again, that's getosi.com slash Emily. Link is below in the show notes. Back to our show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Emily Reagan. I love to bring other marketers, other freelancers here to share their tips, things that they've learned to make you a better virtual marketing assistant specialist. I want you to be more confident in your services. I want you to climb up the ladder as fast as possible. And I want you to represent this unicorn community that we've created. But I also want to help you market your business. I want you to be strong and promote yourself. I want you to be able to confidently talk about your services and having the backing of a good brand, good messaging, stories that you know you can tell on a discovery call on an Instagram story will make you that much more confident. So much of you getting clients is how you stand out. How are you different than the competition? And it's true. The VA world is exploding. There are so many new virtual assistants on the scene. It is a competitive world. You already have an advantage because you have this you know, magical unicorn marketing skill set that we talk about. But now we need to be able to communicate how you're different, articulate your value, and really stand out. And you do that through messaging. So today on the show, I have a very special guest, Emma Beauchart, a messaging strategist and conversion copywriter. She's on a mission to help more brands use storytelling to move people into action and create positive community change. I invited her on the show today to talk about Brand Messaging 101 so you know where to start with your messaging. What is the difference between a value proposition and a unique selling proposition? Why do you need a different tagline? What are your core messaging pillars and what goes under there? When you can sort this out for yourself, creating your content will be easy. Attracting higher quality clients will be easier and you'll just be that much more confident. When you're talking about your services on a discovery call, it will be very clear who you serve, what you stand for, what your values are, and you'll know your key messages. And this is the tip of the iceberg for you and your business. If you're really serious about growing a digital service business where you're positioned as an expert and you can charge premium rates, you got to look like an expert. 
So let's jump into this interview with Emma. But before we do, our Digital Marketers Workgroup is opening for a quick enrollment this month in November. Make sure you get your applications in. If you are tired of doing it alone, you want a community of other freelancers. If you like being in these types of conversations where you're growing your business, you're getting fresh ideas, and you want job leads handed to you, then join the workgroup. This is a membership It's only $47 a month where we get better in our businesses when it comes to learning advanced marketing, staying on top of the trends, and supporting each other, referring each other. The truth is, as a freelancer, you cannot do it alone. You cannot hide behind a keyboard and expect clients to land in your lap. We're all working toward different end games within our businesses. We have a very common goal. And when you surround yourself with like-minded people who are trying to achieve similar things, we all do better. So you can apply. Again, the link is in the show notes. Okay, let's tackle your messaging, what you need to be talking about on social, in your emails, in your videos, maybe your TikToks. And what can you be doing now to set yourself up to have a stronger brand and higher quality clients? Hey, Emma, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been following you on Instagram when a couple of friends mentioned your name, and we are going to be talking about messaging for our virtual assistants and marketing assistants. Tell everyone hello, a little bit about you, where you live, what is your life like? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and finally meet you face to face. So I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and so I help brands with distinct point of views and distinct voices create messaging that builds an indisputable argument for why people should trust you, pay attention to you, tell their friends about you and buy from you. And so this isn't originally what I started out doing. So if you want to know a little bit about my journey, it's a long and varied one sort of chasing creativity through chaos is kind of how I explain it. But I was a makeup artist for about a decade. I freelanced while I worked at Mac. And so I worked doing photo shoots, weddings. I did a little bit of TV work. I did some spots for the 2012 London Olympics. So I got to work with some Olympians and I even did a TV show. And then it kind of came to a point where I needed to decide where I wanted to go from there. So did I want to sort of have more of like a TV movie work and... So that would mean going to school and learning like monster makeup and, you know, do scars and all of those types of things. But I didn't know if I wanted to work those kind of long hours. So I decided to move from the East Coast to the West Coast. And I went to a school for fashion marketing. And at that point, I kind of thought, "Mm, maybe I'll be a fashion buyer. And then once I finished that program, it turns out all of those jobs were actually back on the East Coast. So I was like, "Mm, well, that didn't work out super awesome for me. And so I worked in visual merchandising and I did some background costuming and I ended up working at the school that I went to and doing some bio work and some social media marketing. And that's kind of how I fell into what I'm doing now. And funny enough, I actually ended up taking a VA program. No way. I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah. So I went to, I think it was called like the VA school or something. It was an online program. Through there, I literally learned how to do everything. So website design, copywriting, social media work, 
graphic design. I took like a little bit of everything. And it's so funny because everyone talks about like niche down, niche down, niche down. And I went like the exact opposite route. I learned how to do everything. In the beginning, I guess it was like a little bit harder because it was, you know, once you put your toes into everything, I learned that I love so many different things, like content creation, all of those different things. And I met somebody in my building who worked for a creative tech startup. They were working on an app for tattoo artists for scheduling. And she ended up hiring me to write blogs. And I ended up working full time for them doing sort of almost like a fractional CMO work. And I worked for them for two years, started my business. And here we are today. That's kind of my oh journey my in a nutshell. <laughs> so many parallels. So I was all fired up this morning because somebody was on social dissing this whole unicorn VA thing, which was the beginning of my brand. And what you did just like perfectly aligned with what I teach. Cause I say, just get your foot in the door. And when you understand how all the parts work together, you're really in a power position to niche down, which mm -hmm. now you're a messaging strategist and like upper level there, but like you had to get that experience doing some of it. You mm -hmm. also got your foot in the door doing something I did, which was the blogging. Right. Came to the table with writing skills and it was an easy thing to take off my client's plate and they don't have time for that. Right? right. So it's like, they just dump it on you and you get to run with it and you get to yeah. see patterns and figure out what's working. And then you pay attention to messaging and, oh my gosh, this is so fun that that worked out. Yeah. And I a hundred percent, like I took so many programs after that uh -huh. learning, like I took like a John Morrow's program, I think like to learn all about blogging and content marketing and you learn so much through content marketing. And then from there, like I took Chris Orzakowski's program for email marketing. And then I took Marie Forleo's B-School program. Like I, and I just learned all the different facets of pretty much everything, you know, like web design and content marketing and email marketing and copywriting. I learned all of the different skill sets so that I was able to get CMO positions and CCO positions. And I learned it from the top down. So I can do everything inside of a business at this point, including my own business. I mean, that's kind of detrimental sometimes to me because I basically do everything. Like I design my website, I build my website, I do all the copy, I do all the marketing. And I certainly at some point will need to hire out to have someone else do that. But it's allowed me to now work inside of two different people's businesses and do everything from the top down, like strategy for all their marketing, all their launches, everything from the messaging to the copy to the strategy. And that was basically from just starting from the very bottom and working my way up and just learning the ins and outs of everything. And so you need to be a generalist to be able to do that. If you just niche down to one thing from the very beginning, you don't get to learn all the aspects of a business that way. Oh my gosh, you're just like saying what I believe right now. And then now you're in this position because you have done it. You can mm -hmm. see the discrepancies and the errors and the mistakes when people who are newer are doing it wrong. Cause I know mm -hmm. I've also done fractional CMO work and I've made people cry. Cause I was like, listen, you're paying people to do SEO and they're like completely messing it up. I can go in there at that level, but it doesn't mean I have to do it all now. Yeah. All the puzzle pieces fit. So right. oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. So how does that play into your business now with what your services entail? I offer the fractional CMO service. Okay. And then I offer like, it's called a brand blowout. So 
I offer brand messaging for people that have been in their business for a few years, but they have sort of leveled up to the next level and Mm -hmm. they haven't revisited their messaging as their brand has grown. And I find that a lot of businesses do that. So, you know, you get into your business, things are churning, things are growing super fast and you just kind of piece things together and then you turn around and you're like, oh gosh, my messaging is kind of chaotic. And you know, I'm going onto these podcasts or I'm speaking on these stages or I'm showing up on social media and I'm getting all of this traffic to my website or to my Instagram account. And the messaging I'm putting out there is not the messaging that people are seeing on these different platforms. And it's basically the metaphor that I like to use is that, you know, you're showing up like Miley Cyrus, but all of your messaging is like Hannah Montana. Like there's a real disconnect. And I find that it's just the natural part of growth is that your audience changes, your brand changes. But if you don't address that, there's such a mismatch and it's yeah. very confusing for your audience. There is a lack of trust that happens when they see that disconnect. And Mm -hmm. it just doesn't hit those like pain points and desires and that type of thing. And so I address that with the brand blowout. And then I also have something called the strategic story advantage. And it's if you're launching or you need a messaging upgrade or you just kind of want more visibility, it's a package of we'll sit down and upgrade your stories that you're telling for those launch emails or for your social media. Because what I've noticed is that people just keep sending out the same launch emails or pre-launch emails, or they're telling the same stories on social media over and over and over again. And over the last three to five years, we've gone through a massive shift. And so your audiences, again, their pain points or their hesitations or their false beliefs, those have really changed. So telling the same stories just aren't going to connect in the same ways. And those stories are, again, like those are how we build emotional connections or that's what makes you memorable. And so those are things that are easy updates. And so that's what I help people do as well. Oh, I love that. And of course, I'm thinking about my own business right now because I've been in the spotlight front facing because I was behind the scenes doing the work for years. But just how my messaging has evolved and my clarity. And at first when I started, I, you know, the word VA, like a lot of people didn't even really understand what it was. And so I go back and look at some of my old funnels and emails and I'm just embarrassed. (laughs) So much has changed, but I've gotten clear on who I I work with and like what that job title is and what I'm all about. And then I just have gotten bolder and slightly more articulate. I don't know. We can Mm -hmm. question that. So it's like, it, it constantly needs that refresh. And I like how you serve that sweet spot of somebody who's like done it before and worked that out because I think we've all worked with the baby business owners who don't know any of that. <laughs> yeah. That's I think it's a key point is that if you're just starting out it's really important for you to work through your own messaging so you understand your audience. You understand what you stand for, you stand against. You understand what you believe in. If you're hiring somebody straight off the bat, you never really get into that like deep work of your business. And that is so important to do all of that work first, because otherwise you just don't have a good understanding of who your ideal client is and what your brand is all about if you're just hiring that out right away. Yeah. Okay. I want to get to that. I want to know how we start with brand messaging. But first, just from your business standpoint, how did you land on messaging as like your main service? Like after doing everything under the sun, like why messaging? 
in 2020, I started working full time inside of a developmental psychologist sort of life coach inside of her business. And I worked in there for about two years and messaging was something that was not really present, like a strong message. It wasn't something she really addressed until like the very latter part of me being there. And it was pretty chaotic behind the scenes as she started to kind of wanting to get into like a more of a PR strategy or with the launches, those types of things. I just really noticed that not having that core of messaging in there was the problem. Like that was the issue is that there wasn't a core messaging strategy. Without that, you can't start promoting yourself or, you know, putting yourself out there. Every time you go to do a launch, you're sort of lost for what messages to put in these pre-launch emails or in these launch emails or what goes on the sales page or how to update your website. All of these things require a messaging strategy. And so that's why I decided to focus on that because each time I had a new client come to me and say like, okay, I want, you know, a sales page for this launch. And I'd be like, okay. And so who is your audience or like, what is your unique selling proposition, all of these different things, and they couldn't answer those questions, it became next to impossible for me to write for them. Because without that foundation, I didn't really understand how to move forward. I was like, without this stuff, I can't, we just can't do this. It's too hard if you don't understand what you want to say for me to say it for you. Oh my gosh. Amen. I think we've all worked with clients like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm excited to have you here because yes, it's very meta because what you're talking about, we're applying to our clients' businesses. But what I really want to do is apply messaging to the freelancers, virtual assistants, and marketing assistants listening because we feel that it's just getting more competitive, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to stand out and we need to know how we're different. And when you have that solid, like you're talking about, we can sell ourselves better and we know Mm -hmm. how to produce content and we stand out. But I'm seeing way too many generic virtual assistants on Instagram where I'm like, I can't tell what you do, why I would want to work with you. Like sometimes I don't even see your face, just like all of this. So where should our listeners start when it comes to their own messaging for their business? We'll start with what brand messaging is then. Okay. So brand messaging is basically, it's a set of statements that introduces your brand and helps you talk about yourself to others. So it's what your brand says, how it says it, and what others should remember about it. So it's messages that help your people understand what the brand is all about and why they should even care about you. So that's what brand messaging is. Brand messaging is made up of three main parts. There's the core, which is your vision, your values, your mission, your promise and signature stories. Then you have positioning, which is your UVP, the target market, competitor analysis, and your positioning statement. Then you have your persona, which is the vibe, voice, lexicon, and tagline. Okay. So that's a lot of stuff. But once you have all of those things pretty clear, then it's easier to start creating like a really solid messaging foundation. And so I did not come up with this framework myself, but it's a simple seven step framework to create your messaging. And so I'll just go through like a super simple framework okay. that you can do. So you would start with understanding your audience. So you obviously need to know who you're talking about if you want to build relationships and start selling. So you want to know your audience's pain points and needs, their wants, false beliefs, objections, and hesitations. So you can survey your audience, 
you want to do any kind of market research, just regular things, interview. And then if you're brand new and you don't know who your audience is, then you can start with like social listening, data mining, those types of things. So that's number one. You want to start with understanding who your audience is. Okay. Number two, you're going to dive into your value proposition. So that's going to help you highlight the number one value or benefit your service delivers to your dream client. And so once you do that, you're going to end up with a really tight statement that sums up your number one value that your brand has to offer. Can you give me an example of one? Absolutely. So there's different types of value props, like frameworks that you can use. So we'll do the simplest one, I think, is like a one sentence framework. And so Evernote has one, which would Evernote helps busy professionals and teams capture, prioritize and sync ideas and projects across all devices. So it's just a single sentence that encapsulates the essence of your value. Okay. And that's kind of what we will call like our help statement. And sometimes that's our Instagram bio or like a version of that. So I think hopefully people can kind of picture what that would be for them listening to this. And so basically it's just like a nice tight statement. That is like the number one value or benefit that you bring. Yeah. And if you were at a conference and someone asked what you did, you're not going to like go off for five minutes. You're going to be like, boom, this is it. This is my bam. This is what Absolutely. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's hundred percent. I think my number one struggle is not going off on a massive tangent. <laughs> me, <laughs> me too. Trying yeah. to explain what a unicorn is. And then yeah. like five minutes later, and I'm like, this is not working. So no. what is, what is your value prop? I think you already said it. In the My value prop would be, yeah, that I help brands with distinct voices and POVs, like point of views, create messaging that builds an indisputable argument for why people should talk about you, pay attention to you, tell their friends about you and buy from you. Oh, I like that. I like that. Mm. End of that too. Yeah. Okay. So step three is figure out your unique selling proposition. Okay. So basically define what makes you stand out in a sea of samesies. Yes. And then you're going to come up with a statement that clearly differentiates you from the crowd. This is where a lot of our introverted freelancers have a hard time like reflecting back on them. What are some good examples of what makes somebody different? We can use some famous examples here. So Avis Car Rental, we're number two, we try harder. <laughs> Dollar Shave Club, shave time, shave money. So basically they did like a play on words that emphasizes their convenience and cost effectiveness of their service. Head and shoulders, clinically proven to reduce dandruff. It's super simple. Like that aspect of it is they've just pulled out the one thing that makes them different than everybody else. And if you think about these, these are also very often the taglines that people have used as well. Oh, okay. Okay. So I I get kind of stuck sometimes on this because I see a lot of people saying like, the only of its kind or unique. And it's like how I get to this point now where I'm like, well, I can't really say that anymore. For a while, I was one of the few programs that actually taught marketing skills and prep someone for this role. But now all these marketing VA coaches are like popping out. And so now I'm like, okay, well, how do I you mean like as more and more people come out that are doing similar things to you, how do you differentiate? Yeah. Brand? Yeah. And that's, that's really, I think what a lot of our listeners are going to get stuck on because yeah. of that whole sea of samesies. Like there's, you know, VA's a dime a dozen all offering like the same similar services. So I, I just think that's, this is a really important step. 
This one is probably one of the harder ones. Like what you want to do is analyze your competition and then pinpoint what you offer that others don't. Okay. And how you do it differently. You're not going to be like Avis versus Hertz. You know, it's not just two massive competitors. Those are just easy ones to pull. Or, you know, I mean, like when you look at the Dollar Shave Club versus like Gillette, those are also two big guys as well. There's not 700 razor companies, whereas there are a ton of VAs. But is there something different with how you're onboarding people or how you work with your clients? A lot of times people differentiate with the type of clients that they work with. Like that's Mm -hmm. how I find that I differentiate myself is the type of people that I work with because there are a ton of messaging strategists. There's a billion copywriters, you know, so it does become very different or very difficult how you're going to differentiate yourself. So it might be who you work with. It might be how you work. It might be how quickly you get things done. Ooh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're just offering VIP services, so you're just doing like one week, so you're just doing two days, that type of thing, it could be the type of service that you offer. Uh, It could be a combination of, you know, I work with brands with a distinct voices to do email copywriting. That's just, you know, obviously a silly kind of throwaway one, but that would definitely differentiate me from other copywriters. If I'm only doing email copywriting, I'm only working with brands with distinct voices that's going to differentiate me from tons of other email copywriters. Yes. Okay. I love it. That made sense. Thank you for explaining. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard when it's just really big brands. I know when I was starting out, the one thing that really helped me stand out and then I would lean into was, oh, I have this skill set from PR, from journalism Mm -hmm. and PR and from what I did in my past life. And so a lot of times I'll encourage our unicorns to do that because it'll be a little bit more memorable. You know, they trust you a little bit more because you've done something similar. That might be a, a good starting place for someone as well. Well, I think that's the thing as well, is that all of these things are great, like having your USP and your value prop, all of these little statements. But that's why messaging is so important because it's never just this one liner or just your headline or just your mm-hmm. tagline or just your UVP. Everyone has a rich history or, you know, they have a background they can bring with them. And it's all of those things put together that makes people trust you. And so, okay. like you said, you had a background in PR. I have a background in freelance makeup that might not seem like it helps with what I do, but it does. Like I, there's I a lot of skills that I brought with me. And yeah. so that's where your signature stories come in or your founder story, your origin story. It's where okay. the strategic stories, you bring all of those things with you. So it's all of your messaging put together, not just these like one little pieces So I wouldn't try and get too stuck on like, well, my USP doesn't seem, you know, staggeringly amazing on its face. Like, so don't get stuck on those little things. That's yeah, no, good. Thank you for saying that because it's really easy to when you're first starting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's even easy to when you're not first starting. Like, I find like positioning the hardest thing out of all of these things for sure. Okay, cool. What a relief. (laughs) And then the next step is finding your tagline. So that combines basically your brand positioning and your value prop in as few as words as possible. So you want to focus on clarity, benefits, emotions, and then try to avoid buzzwords and jargon. So taglines, everything is figure outable. Everyone knows Marie Forleo's Mm -hmm. tagline. It's a great one. Where do we use these taglines? Taglines will be on your website. That would be underneath your main headline or just a lot of people. So like Hillary Weiss, hers is really good too, like big ideas that stomp off the screen. So like that would be her tagline, but she also uses it as a headline. 
Okay. The New York Times is like all news is fit to print. So it's just kind of, it's associated with their name. A lot of people will put just their name or their business name, and then the tagline goes underneath that. It's to be associated with you to make it memorable, and people are associating that with your brand. So it's just like a, a memorability type of thing. Yeah, and I feel like that could be more powerful than using your value prop as a headline. Mm-hmm. I yeah. see so many VA websites that are like, I help. Yes. Creators launch. And your I help statement is not brand messaging. Like that is like, if you take (laughs) one thing away, that's not your brand messaging. I see it with so many coaches as well. Like the I help statement is like at the top of their website. I mean, it's a great starting point, guys. If you have that, don't be mad. But now we have Emma here to help you do better. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, yeah. It takes time to come up with a tagline. Like taglines and headlines are for copywriters. Like that's a reason they get paid well because it, three or four words for a tagline can take hours yeah, a day. <laughs> it takes a while to figure it out. Ah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And so the next one is creating your core messaging. So now we're getting into okay. the meat and potatoes. So your core messaging is the overarching theme or primary promise. The main idea you want people to associate with your brand. So it's often a distilled statement or tagline that embodies your brand's essence. So if you want to think about Disney, their core message is often thought of as the happiest place on earth. You want to think of your core message as the North Star for your messaging. So it helps you stay consistent. So that overarching message is kind of what you're moving towards. Okay. So if you need a couple of other examples for Airbnb, it's like belong anywhere. That's their core message. So any messaging that they have is going to kind of point towards belong anywhere. Mm, Okay. And Starbucks is to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup and one neighborhood at a time. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. They might be going away from that, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I love these examples. They kind of get the creative juices flowing. Yeah. And so basically that's going to sit at the top of your chart when you're building, just like, if you think of it like a chart, you're going to have that core message. And then underneath that, you're going to have the next step, which is defining your messaging pillars. Okay. And so you're going to choose three to five major themes for your messaging pillars. So it'll be themes, benefits, or selling points that make your brand unique. And so when you pick those, you're going to then create a one-liner that describes each pillar. So it can be a one-liner or one word, and that goes underneath your core message. And so an example of a brand that everyone knows that has like kind of like one word to describe these pillars would be Apple. And so their brand pillars aren't on the website, like they're not on their website or anything like that. But by like going over kind of all of the content that they've published, they seem to be like simplicity, innovation, quality, empowerment, and privacy. Those would be their brand pillars. And then underneath those brand pillars is where your key messages will go. And so you would be creating those next. So those are your key messages. So those are the messages that help you stay consistent across all platforms. Okay. And you can think about highlighting benefits 
addressing pain points and focusing on your differentiators. And so you can certainly touch on other aspects of your brands, but that makes it super easy. So if you want to go back to the Apple example, you underneath simplicity, if you're an Apple user, your pain point could be that you hate having to, you know, your phone not connecting to your computer, like things not working together or like it's complicated to upload. I think the idea for Apple users is that your Apple phone and your Mac and, you know, your iPad, all of those things work so easily together yes. and their customers get really frustrated when it's not a simple flow, like that's a pain point for them. And so that would maybe go under simplicity, creating content around that pain point of things being too complicated. So that's just kind of the idea is like under simplicity, it would be any content a pain point of for simplicity and then a want or a need for that, those types of things. Okay. So, totally makes sense. And so, and that's it. That is the seven points for your framework. You end off with the key messages. Okay. So I also hear you talk a lot about stories. So where do stories fit into that? Does that go under every pillar? Hey, I'm interrupting my own show to ask, have you taken my quiz? If you're wondering how to combine your services and skills in a unique, unicorn-esque way, then take my quiz to open your eyes to the possibilities. This quiz is based on the DISC personality. It will be unique to you. I'll take what you're good at, what you already know, plus your personality traits, and give you suggestions on how to adapt to the online space and combine your uniqueness in a way that makes you totally hireable and an in-demand unicorn. Go to emilyreaganpr.com slash quiz or check it out in the show notes. Back to the show. Yes. So storytelling ties into messaging. So messaging is your communication framework for your brand and storytelling brings it to life. So that's how you want to look at storytelling. So I like to think of it as the cool, funny anecdotes you'd share on a first date, the tales and experiences that show your personality, make you memorable and help the other person connect with you. And over time, help them fall head over feet for you. So with your storytelling, you can do a few different things. So there's your signature stories. And so these are kind of your brand stories. There's three specific ones that I think all brands should have as part of like their core storytelling. So there's okay. the founder story, which is your origin story, your client story. For those, there's two different kinds. So your case studies, those are told from your point of view. So they're basically told with like the rose colored glasses on there. You know, you you interview your client, but it's always like, this is like best case scenario. Everything went according to plan. You got really great results and it's laid out to basically show you in the very best light with a super successful client. And then you also want to have the ones from your client's point of view. And so these might be testimonials, but they're very well laid out, but they also need to be super honest. So everything should not be perfect. It should be just showing you know, how your client moved through your service or your product, that type of thing. Because the idea of the client story is for other people in your ideal target market to see them, see themselves in that journey and for that to build trust because it's such an honest journey that they took. And then the third is a value story. And so these are basically stories that are going to show your brand's values in action. And so those are the three signature stories that I would recommend. Okay. And then the other stories are strategic stories. And so those are the stories that 
I have like a four C's framework for these types of stories. And so it's basically any kind of stories that you would use for launching or for social media or for emails, you would basically choose a topic that you want to talk about. So let's say you have a membership and this is an enrollment, like you're doing enrollment. So you're going to be talking about joining the membership. That would be your topic. Then you're going to head over to your research. So you're going to consult the research and decide if you want to hit on like a pain point, a want or a need, a hesitation, a false belief, or a solution. And let's say for this one, we're going to hit on a hesitation. And so you've chosen your topic, which is enrollment. You've consulted your research and you're going to talk about a hesitation in this email. Then you want to choose a story. And that story needs to think about what the hesitation is and also what your topic is. And then you're going to connect the two with purpose. And so, you know, do you want to build an emotion connection? Do you want to encourage engagement? Do you want to sell? So you need to go through that framework each time you're doing a strategic story because it has a purpose. You're not just telling the story for fun. And so those are the two types of stories that you want to use for brand. Oh, so I want to kind of go back to the value story too. Because mm-hmm. I had a, a work group. We do these little happy hours where we get together and we talk. And we were actually just talking about that. But how can we... Do you have a good example of that? Or like, do you have a value story? Because I feel like that could be a good place to test out and practice and do your... Instagram story is about and like let them disappear in 24 hours. But I'm just curious what that really is. Value stories. I think the best example is going to be for brands that have like a really powerful mission statement. Okay. I'm just thinking because the one of the example that I can think of is Patagonia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So their commitment to environmental sustainability and ethical practices, they highlight their stories. So conservation like any stories around like their conservation efforts, their sustainability, their mm-hmm. activism, all of those types of things, because their values are like really tied to their mission. And they have like a really strong outline of what their values are. Yeah. And so it's really easy for them to reflect those in the stories that they're telling. Yeah, I could see that with like Dove, you know, yes, same thing with, them. with that. But then I'm like, how do we do that? How do we use our values? Because I just see that as a great, it's your core beliefs. And so it would depend what your values are. So I, that's why it's so important to figure out your values early on. So if you mm-hmm. have, like, say community is a core value. Like Marisa is a really good example of somebody that tells really good community stories, which I think on a side note is missing in a lot of people's storytelling, but she, for her summits every single time uses that community storytelling to really drive signups where she'll tell who she's donating to why she's donating and how that's going to make a change for that organization. So that is really a value story that she's telling. And I, it makes a huge difference. I think in the signups that she gets for those summits. And even with, I think I told this story on the last podcast I was on with Brenna as well for her behind the launch. It's sort of like a value, but also a community story that she told about, you know, the signups that she got for behind the launch when she was donating the money for her, how her son had struggled with reading. Yeah. A lot of those things can kind of be tied into value stories, depending on what your values are. Yeah. And that's just a good opportunity to be different, I think, and really like 
kind of brings in your personal story with like what Brenna did mm-hmm. too, like giving yeah. back, you know, interesting. I think I, I need to still do some deep work there, but one of the things that is very important to me is like, I give women options, right. That mm-hmm. women give themselves options to go yeah. out and use their brain and make money and be independent. And I always struggle with how to, to share that and not be a Debbie Downer about it. But like, it's just like life. We don't know what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. in the end, like we need, especially military spouses, like I've been, like, we have to be like the ones at home paying the bills. Mm-hmm. Like we need to be smart. We need to be involved in our life and not just like sit back. And I don't know why I'm telling you the story right now, but <laughs> this is like really important to me. And that's kind yeah. of why I started helping women bust back into working after their seven year baby breaks. Right. Because they were right. struggling to get back in there. And I don't know. I think that that is just a little different than what other people are talking 100%. about. A hundred percent. And I think that even like a value of like independence or a value of strength, like those yeah. would tie into that for sure. And also like value of self-worth. Like yes. you want women to, you know, value their worth and value their strength and their independence. Mm-hmm. And it not only ties into your founder story, but that is a, a separate value story because it is a, like a core belief is you want women to understand that, you know, they have the ability and the strength and the independence to be able to do this for themselves, for their families, and you're helping them along the way. And so I think that's why if you just, most people just need to sit down and decide like, what are my, you know, five or six core values and how can I tell stories to show that I'm living these? Because nowadays it's not enough to be like, this is my brand. This is what I do. People want to know not only why you do it, but they want to know that you're living those values and they want you to show them that you're living them yeah. honestly. And if you can't back it up or it looks like you're being inauthentic about it, people just don't want to follow you anymore. They don't want to invest in what you're doing. It's really important to show people that you're authentically living what you're talking about. I just played a mental movie of the influencer picking up garbage on yeah, the beach yeah. <laughs> and then like leaving the trash bag. Oh my God. Yeah. That's what was going on in my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the things have really changed. That's exactly why, because there's so many people that are doing things like that, that people just don't trust brands anymore. And we are all personal brands at this point. We really are, whether we like it or not. We, yeah, we are. And that's on the flip side, I think. Me and my business, and probably why I want to hire you is I just, I get tired of saying the same thing over and over. I'm like, where did I say that? I feel like I've said like the same thing and I'm boring myself, but I know people need the consistency and that's memorable, Mm -hmm. right? But like, sometimes I'm just like, I'm sick of it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a good balance, right? I think you need to say things. I don't know what the latest is. I think it was like 18 times or something crazy before people hear it. And so you definitely want that like good set of messages that you can consistently because mm-hmm. repetition is recognition until you are you want to be sick of hearing what you're saying. So other people have heard it and, you know, they need to hear it multiple times before they recognize it and they start listening to what you're saying. But on the flip side of that, you also want to evolve your mm-hmm. brand with your audience. Like you always need to be checking in with them. You always need to be 
evolving your message as your audience is changing. Like your message can't be static because your audience isn't static. Like I said, the last three years, your audience has likely had massive shifts because most of us have. So if you have, your audience has. So you need to be checking in, like sending surveys, getting feedback, talking to them in interviews, like figuring out where they're at and then adjusting your message for that. Such an ongoing process. And I know <laughs> you and I were kind of commiserating on this, but just not enough clients do that. No, they don't do that. And it just is never done. And I... Right. I'm kind of a copywriter's dream right now. I've actually worked with a couple of copywriters this year for the first time. And I'm like, here's everything I got. And like, there's so much to go through. It's kind of, it's a lot, but like you hit the nail on the head with the evolution, because even when some of my VAs who started two, three years ago, who were like my OGs, they have changed so much. They've gained so much clarity and the services they do, the people they work for, their boundaries, you know? and what they stand for. And it's been really fun to watch them grow. But like, yeah, I think that was a key moment right there to just be constantly doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you always need to be checking in to see what's going on out there. Okay, I have some questions from some okay. of our work group members, and I'm gonna put you in the hot seat a little bit. Okay. Because I like to just like tease my podcast guests and be like, what should I ask yeah. her? <laughs> and so I got some good ones. Okay. So It's all related loosely to what we talked about today too. But Connie asked me, what about when it comes to talking about pleasure points versus pain points? Like in marketing, we're taught a lot to like speak to that, that pain point. I got this like message loud and clear too. Like you'll sell better if you market to the pain points. Oh, okay. So I think what Connie's asking is, I don't think that feels good sometimes. Right. She means like, is it kind of like bro marketing to always be marketing to the pain points? I mean, I think what she really means is we want to work with clients that light us up too, that is joyful. Like we're choosing, we're freelancers because ultimately we do want to have fun. Yeah. And that's one of my values. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So is there a good way to bring the, the fun part into it, I guess? Yeah. Like you don't need to just be creating copy, whether it's like sales page copy, Instagram copy, or email copy, that's just like sticking your finger into like the pain point into the wound. Yeah, right. Which is, you know, it is definitely a framework, like the problem agitate solution. That is a framework where you're just like burrowing your finger into the wound of a pain point. And that could be considered a little bro markety if it's done incorrectly you can certainly approach it in a more empathetic way of, you know, these are the obstacles that you're coming up against as opposed to like a pain point mm-hmm. or approach it from like the wants and needs angle. You know, Ooh, this okay. is what you're looking for. This is how I can help you get there. Or even from the transformational angle, you know, this is the transformation that you're looking for this is how I can help you get there as opposed to, you know, this is what's really hurting you. Let me rub a little bit of salt in the wound. (laughs) And then this is how I can sort of help you. That is kind of an old school way of doing it. And so I think what a lot of people are doing now in sort of the ethical marketing world, which I actually don't even know if that's, I feel like that might just be very trendy at this point, (laughs) like the ethical marketing is maybe not doing so much of that, like rubbing the salt in the wound and coming at it from a more empathetical angle of, you know, I understand that you're coming up against this barrier or this obstacle. 
and you want this and this is how I can help you get this transformation. Okay. Yeah. And then you can like lean into how you're different a little bit more rather than maybe like the Yeah. And the reason I think a lot of people run towards the pain points is because showing someone how you're going to get them that transformation, how you're going to help them overcome the false beliefs that they have about themselves is much more difficult than I understand this pain point that you have. And then agitating that pain point and then presenting them with your solution. That Mm -hmm. is much easier than walking them through how you're going to help them overcome a false belief that they have and how you're going to help them get this transformation that you're promising. That is much more difficult. So you really need to understand your audience in order to take them empathetically through your marketing. Totally makes sense. Okay. Her second question asks, do you have any tips on how to say as much as possible with as few words as possible? You know, you talked about the value proposition and the USP and that needs to be concise and that's, Mm -hmm. that's hard. And you did kind of hint that it takes time, Mm -hmm. right? And that's why we pay copywriters big bucks to make it look so easy. Uh, So I think my biggest tip for writing concise copy, do your research because voice of customer research is gold. So you are going to, whether you do interviews or surveys, you're gonna transcribe what you get from them. And that is a copywriter's dream. And it's also how they come up with amazing headlines or subheadlines or that copy that makes your clients go, oh my God, you're in my head, because it actually comes from your client's heads. And so a lot of times that's how you get a super concise headline is because one of your clients says something that is incredible talking about a want or a need or a desire or an objection. And you can just take that and plop it on the page or take a sentence and then massage it a little bit using most of it. And it creates a really concise headline or a subheadline. So I would start there. That's probably the best advice I can give because you're going to be using the words you actual clients are using. I do that for subject lines a lot. So I have, I have this massive spreadsheet of people coming into my Facebook group and we collect VOC. And then I have so many different ways that they say I'm in the research mode. Like I'm Mm -hmm. just trying to figure it out. Like I have all these different ways of them saying it. And so whenever I promote this certain thing I have, I'm like, plop. (laughs) Yeah, it saves so much time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because I have like a research roadmap that I have created over the last little while. And it's it's a lifesaver when you're trying to create any kind of copy. Love it. Love it. Okay, Brittany had a question. Do you have another way to advertise or say now booking for quarter four without sounding desperate? Oh, (laughs) that's a good one. Because I actually was just thinking that about my own Instagram account. Well, for Instagram? Yeah, I I guess on social media. Yeah. Honestly, I don't even think now booking quarter four sounds desperate. First of all, you want to be as direct as possible. I always just put like my books are open for Q4. You know, as opposed to like now booking for Q4, I always just put like, Q4 books are open. So it doesn't sort of indicate like how many spots I have open or any of those types of things. It's just like, 
September has arrived. So like my books are open for this quarter. So maybe that's a little bit seems a little bit less desperate. But honestly, you want to be as straightforward as possible when you're on Instagram, clear over clever always because if your books are open because you want clients for Q4, you want people to know your books are open. You know, so you don't want people to be like, well, does she mean she's taking clients or she isn't taking clients? You know, don't worry about sounding desperate. Just if you need clients for Q4, put up a post that says you're taking clients for Q4. I love it. That was great. <laughs> like I'm putting up one for Q4 as well. So I would just go ahead with it. Good. No, we're all going to Books are open. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Books are open. Okay. She had another question. How many specialties should you list and what you're known for. So we get in this little bit of a problem where we, we, we might have a couple lanes of things we do. We don't do it all. That's yeah. not the unicorn way, but we might have like in Brittany's case, I know she can build a Squarespace websites, but she also does like marketing services. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people kind of get stuck feeling like they need a niche or like how do you put it together where they make sense? I mean, these are not, you know, diametrically opposed like bookkeeping and video editing. Right. So what advice would you have for combining two services, I guess? <laughs> so I would just look for the umbrella. So for me, I do CMO work, messaging work, and like strategic storytelling, but I also do copywriting. Like that is a lot of different things, but it all kind of falls under messaging and strategy. So it's all kind of under the same umbrella. Is she looking for advice on her website, on social media, or just kind of what to call herself? It's probably a little bit of both because I know she will help do, we could probably call it fractional CML. Like she's mm -hmm. probably doing that and that's probably yeah. the answer. But I know she likes these website projects here and there, right. but you know, she's not just known for that. Right. So I think what I would do is Think about what kind of clients you want to call in the most and understand that even though you're not saying, I also do website design, putting your hand up for that. If that is on your website or anywhere on your social media, you are still going to get those clients, but you need to sort of not pick just one thing, but pick one group. So CMO is going to have the marketing, the copy all what a strategy whatever other things she does all under that one umbrella and if that encapsulates almost everything that she does mm -hmm. that might be the best option to run with and then if she's still getting people come that are like asking for design that's still fine they're just going to come in the back door but like you said it might be a little bit harder to do like design and marketing together as opposed to everything under one umbrella so that's the long way of saying as many things that can fit under one easy umbrella, whether it's strategy or marketing, do that. And then you're still going to get people come to you for the other things. Anyways, it, it always happens. Like I get web design projects and I've never advertised that I do website copywriting. I yeah. guess I've been doing kind of the same where I'm in the marketing lane and then people will still ask me for some PR help. And I'm like, oh, this is funny because I like never promote that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So people are going to come and ask you for things. And then, you know, they'll tell their friend, Oh, I had this project with this person. And it, it'll all work out. You just have to kind of decide for now, what do you want to promote the most? Okay. Thank you. Thank you for answering their questions. It was kind no of problem. fun to see what yeah. they had. All right. I have had such a great time with you. You have a freebie for everyone. Tell us about it. 
So it's called the brand story audit. And basically it'll help take your messaging from chaotic to cohesive. Basically it's like an audit that you can check your personal, your client and your brand messaging across all different platforms. And it lets you kind of do an audit to see where you're at. It checks everything from your personality to your actual messaging. It's a free freebie. And I've had some pretty good results from people being able to, you know, sit back and go, oh, wow, my messaging is all over the map and gives them a nice laid out audit to see where, where they need to make those changes. Okay. That's awesome. And I'm just like loving your button on that page. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it. You guys go check it out yourself. Like Emma's just a messaging genius. When you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. And then as far as if we are in this boat where we know our clients need you and your help and this upper level help, because quite often we're like, you need to level up in order for us to help with some of these content marketing pieces that we're putting out. What kind of clients are you looking for? And are your books open? Yes. So yes, my books are open. And I do <laughs> often just put that right out there on Instagram. <laughs> so yeah, I love working with brands that have, as I said, like distinct voices and distinct point of view. I work with coaches, creative entrepreneurs, and also I've worked with a bunch of e-com brands as well. And okay. I tend to work with people that have been brands or been in business for a few years and they've gotten to that point where it's time to level up their messaging because they've reached that next level of their business. And now they are like, uh-oh, my messaging is a little bit chaotic and I'm not too sure how to move to that next level. Or they're looking to bring someone in because they've reached that point where they can no longer do everything on their own. So they're looking to bring in like that fractional CMO because they just cannot do one more thing without their head exploding. So I, yeah, those are kind of the two points that I tend to come in at. Oh, that's awesome. Is there like a telltale sign when we know our messaging is too chaotic? Like, is there like, what would be like the flashing light in our face that you're like, we need to hire Emma? I think the flashing light, there's going to be two. One is that every time you're getting a new inquiry, it's the wrong person. Okay. Because they're reading your messaging and they're like, oh my gosh, this is for me. And then you're talking to them and you're like, oh my gosh, this person is not for me. <laughs> and so yeah. your messaging and the person or the brand or the business that you are now, those are a complete mismatch. The other one would be that you have just been like slapdash putting things together. So like, you know, it's a Franken funnel at this point, <laughs> you know, you've just been like updating things every now and then. And so you might have a phenomenal service or a phenomenal product and you have great feedback on the people that have been in your program. But when you go to launch it, you're either getting the wrong people in the program or the people you thought that would be joining aren't joining and you can't really figure out what's happening. And that is generally a message mismatch. So okay. Okay. That makes sense. That's something to look out for. Okay. Let's wrap it up. I have one final question. Yeah. We're going to sum up everything we talked about because you gave us so much and thank you for being so generous with your knowledge and experience with messaging because I know so many people struggle with this when it comes to their own business. What would be your best advice for standing out from the sea of samesies as a virtual assistant? My personal advice would be to share your stories because I think stories are tied in so closely with messaging. It's a part of your messaging and stories make you uncopyable. 
no one can tell your stories. They only belong to you. And also in the age of AI with ChatGPT and Jasper and all of those other things, messaging and copy, all of these things are just getting, well, not messaging so much, but copy is getting just tossed out there quicker and quicker and quicker. There's tons of content, but it cannot take your stories from you. (laughs) And so I think stories would be the one thing I would say are going to make you stand out from everyone else. I love it. And and that should get everyone fired up to to start, to put themselves out yeah. there, to practice speaking, to do those stories and TikToks, to, to work out the kinks and just get better at telling their story. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to make it complicated. Just even throwing in, like for me, I look at storytelling as everything from a short little story you tell to tie into your launch an email, any of those types of things, but even just dropping like those little anecdotes that are like nostalgic or the references to the music that you like, or the movie references, anything that really personalizes who you are and ties into your ideal client. All of those things make such a huge difference and they make you stand out because people are able to identify who your brand is. So anything like that, I think is would be a recommendation. Okay. I love it. I love that. For me, I share a lot of puzzles and like soccer mom moments. What about you? Yeah. I was Um, hiking. (laughs) Yeah. I I trained for an Everestine challenge. That was why I was hiking. So I was doing that, but yeah, like anything to do with like the nineties, I'm a big music fan. So I tend to share a lot of those types of things. Those are big, big for me. Pop culture references are a big thing. Now I'm really getting into trying to like, yeah, maintain like a fitness regimen, my dog, anything, any little things you can drop so people can see that you're a real person, like anything you can humanize your brand with. Like I am not a lover of being on video. Like I just don't love it. And so I try and drop like at least some pictures so people know that there is a person behind my brand. (laughs) Anything I can figure out that people can identify me with the brand. Oh, so yeah, everyone needed to, to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know, showing up on reels every day or showing up in stories, but so people can just see that there is a face behind the brand is it's a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Emma. Thank you yeah. for everything. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us on today's show. Be sure to go grab her brand story audit. It is such a good tool for anyone who's ready to take charge of their messaging and get clearer. And like Emma said, this is going to be an evolution. So get started right now. Evaluate your current messaging. Use her lens of story buckets and walk through this four-step process that she's giving away free. Emma's writing for free. You can go to creativeuproar.com slash brand story audit or I'll make it simple. I'll put that link in the show notes below. I can't wait to see what you come up with when it comes to your positioning, your persona, your unique selling proposition. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you please tag Emma and I over on Instagram? You can find her at creative underscore uproar and let us know what you thought about this episode. Do us a solid, tell a friend who needs to hear this and give us a a five-star review that will help out the podcast so much. I'll see you next week with another good guest and another good episode to help you in your freelance business. If you want to start earning income as a digital marketing service provider or digital marketing assistant, 
you only need your laptop. You can tap into what online business owners really need help with by downloading my top 10 most requested tasks. These are the services I did for years for my clients behind the scenes. You can take this download and apply it to your own business and start by offering these very same services. If you want to niche down in digital marketing, this is your guide. Just use the link in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash services. Hey, I was having a dumb moment and hanging out in the wrong link. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday. It is. Cool. It's Friday. Yeah, just, okay, let's pause here for a second. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Get, like a... <clears throat> Not trying to make this a coaching moment about me, yep. but hang on one second. I need to shut my door. Yep. <laughs> my dog came in here and left. Okay, yeah. my dad's shutting <laughs> it. Okay. So if there is, um, sorry, I have to close my... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you just got the light on you. <laughs> yep. The sun has finally risen. Sorry. 